Yes, yeah, so today's Bible reading is from Psalm 94, and that's found on page 425 of the Church Bibles. O Lord, the God who avenges, O God who avenges, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Pay back to the proud what they deserve. How long will the wicked, O Lord, how long will the wicked be jubilant? They pour out arrogant words. All the evildoers are full of boasting. They crush your people, O Lord. They impress your inheritance. They slay the widow and the alien. They murder the fatherless. They say, the Lord does not see. The God of Jacob pays no heed. Take heed, you senseless ones among the people. You fools, when will you become wise? Does he who implanted the ear not hear? Does he who formed the eye not see? Does he who disciplines nations not punish? Does he who teaches men lack knowledge? The Lord knows the thoughts of men. He knows that they are futile. Blessed is the man you discipline, O Lord, the man you teach from your law. You grant him relief from days of trouble, till a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not reject his people. He will never forsake his inheritance. Judgment will again be founded on righteousness, and all the upright in heart will follow it. Who will rise up for me against the wicked? He will take a stand for me against evildoers. Unless the Lord had given me help, I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death. When I said, My foot is slipping, your love, O Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. Can a corrupt throne be allied with you, one that brings on misery by its decrees? They band together against the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has become my fortress. And my God, the rock in whom I take refuge, he will repay them for their sins and destroy them for their wickedness. The Lord our God will destroy them. Good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you. If I haven't met you before, I'm Mike Sams, the other pastor here at Trinity Northeast. Anger, hey? We're going to talk about anger today. And it's a good thing to wrestle with because I don't think we can escape it. As I was thinking about it, I think I've discovered something that all of us can relate to about sport. I know some of you hate sport, but there's something you can relate to. Let me show you what it is. Tony, trying to settle it, sends it back to Del Piero, very quick. He has excellent wheels, down he goes. Your anger can flare up like a moment, like one of the greatest soccer players of all time in his very last game in the World Cup final, headbutted a guy in the chest. 
The reality is on the sporting field sometimes anger can flare up in a moment, but that's just an expression of what we all have the potential to be like, to have our anger get hold of us. Maybe not physically, but in all manners of ways, we can let our anger overtake us. What I want you to do, if you've got an outline there and a pencil there, maybe three quarters away down the page, I want you to write down, where do I need to be honest with myself and God? Where do I need to be honest about myself and God? And as you reflect through this talk, it's not a normal talk, we're just going through a passage. Uh, we had 94, uh, Psalm 94 read to us, and we'll use that in the Psalms as a launching pad to thinking about anger. But as you're thinking through times in your life, the ways that you express yourself, today is a day where I want to challenge you to write down and open up to yourself the things that you've hidden from yourself and you've tried to hid from God, but you, the reality is you can't. See, we do all struggle with the emotion of anger, sometimes in very subtle ways. We're not prone to loud speaking and, and physical expressions, but sulking and Manipulation. Or maybe you know you're the type of person who does go off the handle, who can be physical. It is our problem to wrestle with. Maybe it's in different times of your life. Maybe you can think back to times when you found it hard. Maybe it's right now. I want to say to you, with respect, but if you say it has never been your problem, I want to say to you, I don't believe you for a second. We're going to wrestle with anger. And my hope is God's word pushes us today. I hope I can speak lovingly and sensitively, but a topic like this can be raw and challenging, and that's what it needs to be. And I think we need to make sure we listen carefully so we don't misunderstand. That as we will talk about how God's anger is slow, we need to be thoughtful and contemplate. It was great hearing from Daryl and and men's uh, convention. And I actually want to commend to you all, not just the men, but all of you to listen to last year's talk by Ray Galea on anger. Go to the website. Actually, I might see if we can get a link to it on our website. It's a profoundly helpful talk. He focuses on godless anger and how to engage with it. And I can't, uh, I can't really be anywhere near comprehensive. Some of the things I've stolen from uh, Ray, and he has a lot of helpful things to say because he opened up his own life. Uh, to it, and I want to encourage you to think more, and that may be one way that'll help you. So, where do we start? 
Where do we start? We start with God. And we find that anger is a good emotion. Just open up Psalm 94 with me. Go there. Psalm 94. What does Psalm 94 start with? O Lord, the God who avenges. O God who avenges, shine forth. It is God who gets to be angry and avenge, not these guys. I went and saw this movie this week, and um, if you want to talk to me about anger, then you get the right to talk to me about whether you think this or the first one was a better movie. But when I was reflecting on this, and I thought it was kind of just interesting how these two things came together at the same time, I thought about so many of the movies, whether they're kind of sci-fi, superhero, other movies, just dramas, are built around the heroine or the main character expressing godless emotion in regards to anger. And that's what drives the plot and the storyline forward. The need to avenge because you've been done wrong means that we can pass by whether what you're doing is wrong itself. But what we actually are reminded of right in the beginning of Psalm 94, O Lord, the God who avenges, O God who avenges, shine forth, rise up, O judge of the earth, pay back to the proud what they deserve. How long will the wicked, O Lord, how long will the wicked be jubilant? You see, God gets to decide what's right and wrong. He he gets to see the world, the wickedness of it, and deal with it. He does not like it. He has anger towards rejection of his ways. And the despicable way that this world has will playing out. You see, Psalm 94, uh, the psalmist there wants God to express right anger at those that are opposing his people. That's what we saw in verse 2, verse 3, if we continue on. How long will the wicked, O Lord, how long will the wicked be jubilant? He's kind of, he's frustrated, he's angry that the wicked are getting away with it. Verse 4, they pour out words, all, their evil, all the evildoers are full of boasting. They crush your people, O Lord. They oppress your inheritance. They slay the widow and the alien. They murder the fatherless. They say, the Lord does not see. The God of Jacob pays no heed. In verse 12, blessed is the man you discipline, O Lord, the man you teach from your Lord. You see... You are the one who can rightly deal with wrong, that you can discipline because you're angry with the way things are and you can deal with it rightly. You see, it's not a picture of a horrible tyrant to manipulate people into guilt so that they'll serve him in fear and trembling like the ancient gods. I don't know whether you grew up in a church, but I know that... um, 
My family's spoken about at the time and when they were kids and growing up and the kind of the Old Testament God was different to the New Testament God and he was kind of this vengeful God who was horrible and evil and quick to anger, which is not the picture of a good God who deals with anger justly. And that's because God's anger is always rightly directed towards evil. If you go way back to the beginning of the, uh, of the psalm, Psalm 2, uh, where people are conspiring against God, wanting to take his reign that, I, that is his, and we see his anger there. In, in, a, in a chapter uh, 2 of the Psalms, in that psalm, we read in uh, verse 4, as God sees those trying to rule in, in, in his place and take him down, the one enthroned in the heavens laughs, the Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. He hates wrongdoing. He is the king and he deals with it rightly and justly. There is anger throughout the scriptures. You know, and you look, I, um, I did a quick search through the Psalms and I discovered that in uh, just a quick search, and this is, I don't think is comprehensive, but if you just typed in anger and looked in the Psalms, how many times anger comes up, you're over 30 times. It's a real emotion that the Psalms are driving us to. Jesus rightly gets angry in the temple in John 2, doesn't he? As you see those treating the place where you come to God to worship, well, trying to get ends meet, to make money. It is a good thing that God gets angry because it's always directed towards evil. And the second reason why, it was a kind of extrapolation of that, it's a good thing that God's get angry because it shows that God cares about us. Because if he hates wickedness and injustice, we can see that he actually cares. And if he cares, we see further that not only is his wickedness, uh, is God's wickedness, that's the most heretical thing I've ever said in a sermon, is, is that God looking at wickedness, does he see that it's wrong? He expresses his anger in a righteous way. His dis- in other words, his display of anger is never evil. He is slow to anger. Exodus 34 verse 6, God is slow to anger. I'd love to spend some time breaking down that, um, that passage for us. Go and have a look at Exodus 36. Jot it down and have a look at it. He does not lead to wickedness, And not only is he slow to anger, he has a right perception of what is wrong. You see, God in the the Exodus, um, Moses goes up the mountain and and encounters God. The Ten Commandments, gets the Ten Commandments and the people down there, what gooses they were, what great sin they was as God has rescued them, that great moment. And they're down there bowing down to a golden calf and God is rightly angry. 
He did not misunderstand that and, and actually what was going on, that they were worshipping God properly. He got it right. They were rejecting him. He's slow to anger. He's never wicked in the way he deals with it. He has a right perception of what is wicked and it shows that he cares about us. It's a good thing, but it's not who God is. The scriptures say God is love. We see he, who he is is driven by and, and controlled by his, his love for us. The Bible doesn't say God is anger. God is hate. And so it's wrong for us to think that, our, that the emotion of anger needs to be excised right out as if, if it's an evil emotion all the time. The idea of getting rid of emotion, like Buddhism, like the Jedi, like Yoda, who kind of tells everyone to not, tells the Jedi not to be angry, never to be angry because it'll lead to the dark side. Well, no. What are you angry about? And do you express it rightly? See, if we see God this way, as we turn to ourselves, as we turn to ourselves, we see the Psalms give us license to express our emotion of anger to God. God wants us to know uh, to, to tell him how we're feeling. As I said, uh, you, know, you type in anger uh, into the Psalms and you, and you see it's all throughout the Psalms. You, you type in the question why and it's over 30 times as well. And if you look into, them, into the Psalms more than just typing in why, you see that behind so many of the questions that the Psalmist asks before they get to praise is, God, I'm kind of angry at this situation that's before me. Whether it's what's going on out there or because I don't understand what you're doing, why God? So God is saying instead of anger that leads to wickedness and wrong emotion and a spiral that's a problem, I want you to know I hate evil and injustice. I hate what distresses you and I want you to bring it to me. Don't repress it. Bring it to him. And so that is why you get to Ephesians. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, you read, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry. See, what, what we're seeing is that we need to work at expressing our emotions in a way that pleases God. And I think without going all technical on you, I think actually there's uh, uh, those who've written commentaries on, Eph on Ephesians and looked at it in detail, is that there's a good reason to see when he says, in your anger do not sin, is to say, be angry at sin. It's a trajectory that that um, verse is going into. 
is that we should not like wickedness. We should not like injustice, whether it's from ourselves or from around us or what's being done to us. We should have appropriate righteous indignation. We should be angry at sin and remember God's way. I had the, the joy of having a brief moment of meeting a guy from church history that I've never heard of before. And uh, on my bookshelf, on a book called Consolations of Theology, there was this a book where old guys from the past have uh, talked about their emotions and how God talks about them and, uh, and expressed them. And there was one guy um, in this book was expressed, uh, he talked about anger. His name was Lactant. Lactantius, I think. Not very much is known about him. He's not well regarded. He became kind of an advisor to the first Christian um, emperor. And he said this. It's on the screen. God's anger is never inflamed with an immediate excitement like ours. Because God is eternal, of perfect virtue, and he is never angry unless undeservedly. He is never angry undeservedly. Lactantius was pointing out the contrast between God and what might even start with our righteous indignation in that we let it take hold. We let it get inflamed. God is controlled. He's never ruled by it and he regulates it according to his will. And so as we consider anger, we need to remember, we need to remember the goodness of God's gift of this emotion. But just as importantly, maybe today even more importantly, the capacity for its great destructive harm. How do we wrestle with this further? I want us to think about it in four ways. I've kind of put it on the screen in four quadrants. You see, first of all, we need to think about anger as being right anger displayed in a godly way. That is, what we're angry about is appropriate. What we're, what we're angry about is appropriate, but not only that, the way we express it is the right way to express it. The second one, right anger displayed in a godless way. That it could be wrong, it could be horrendous, but the expression is also godless. Then there's ill conceived or irrational anger. It's not necessarily displayed badly, expressed badly, but actually you, you shouldn't have really been angry about that, whether you've perceived it incorrectly, whether you had not enough information. And then there's ill-conceived or rational, irrational anger displayed in a godless way. I think we need to think about these here. You see... Right anger displayed in a godly way is when we please God. That's how God is. 
It's what Jesus, through the scriptures, shows us how he lived. He hated sin. He wasn't a big fan of the way the Pharisees dealt with him, and yet he dealt with them always in a godly way. Right anger displayed in a godless way? Well, what if your boss promises you a promotion? It's guaranteed. You thought you signed the, the, on the dotted line to get the promotion and then he laughs in your face as he gives it to somebody else. But you have a lot of uh, power in the company and you, you, control, you control where the money goes and you can embezzle the money and get back at him and ruin him without you being busted. What a great way to get back at him. I think this is one where our kids need to be trained here. Uh, when the kids have a toy taken from them and snatched out of their hand and then they go ballistic and start screaming and yelling and, and, and uh, maybe get violence. Yeah, okay, the toy shouldn't have been taken from you, but that's not the appropriate way to behave. This is how you need to deal... Someone has treated you so despicably. that we can put aside whether how we respond is right or wrong. This is hard, isn't it? As we confront what anger is and what it looks like. What about the third there, ill-conceived or irrational anger? See, I think this is a little bit of Jonah, you know, the story of Jonah and God sends Jonah out. I think Jonah also moves into four a bit, but there's a point where Jonah is... <laughs> He doesn't want to go and he runs away and he's angry at God because he might save people. And he tells God, I told you, you'd... that's so irrational, Jonah. What are you talking about? Why are you angry, God says to him? Why are you angry? Why can't I save people? Sometimes we don't have the full picture. Don't you think sometimes we get really, really angry when it's built on gossip? And the gossip may not even be true. It may just be perceived. This can be really well recovered if it's displayed, uh, how you express the anger is displayed well. You say to someone, oh, I'm actually quite really disappointed at this. This isn't, isn't the right way to go about it. And then you can talk about it and go, oh, right. I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have been angry. at It's recoverable. Maybe we shouldn't go there, but it's recoverable. But how often do we forget one and not just stay in two and three and end up in four? Ill-conceived, irrational anger displayed in a godless way. It's a disaster. The Pharisees' consistent attitude towards Jesus spirals out of control. They don't like Jesus. They hate him because he's taking away their power. And they want to deal with him. They want to deal with him. They deal with him. Let's kill him. You're angry at work and you take it home and you deal with everyone else at home They've done nothing, but you've had a shocking time and so you just project onto them in subtle ways, in horrendous ways. 
everyone should be safe in their home. But with ill-conceived anger, in a godless expression, with a fist, with words, with silence, with manipulation, with sarcasm, we can take it away. Can you say you have been in in all four of those quadrants? Brothers and sisters, if I'm being honest with you, I have to say yes. Anger is hard to deal with. I I find it particularly hard when I'm tired, when I've had a really long time uh, of just doing things over and over that I'm just exhausted mentally. I get irrational. Actually, I get sometimes angry just because I haven't eaten. As if that's an excuse. One shameful moment uh, of our uh, years ago in our marriage, it was in the first couple of years, I, I taught, asked you, could I share this story? We both can't remember what we were arguing about. Uh, I remember where we were. It was our first uh, unit that we were renting. We were in the kitchen. And for a wedding present or engagement present, Jen's mum wrote out all the recipes um, in a a cookbook uh, for us. We still use it today. We still have it. But I, I meant to bring it, but I forgot. The cookbook does not look that good anymore. Because in that argument, I just picked it up and I threw it and it just completely ripped. The cover's not on it, the book's in pieces. Many times I've kind of thought about replacing it for Jen as a present, but I kind of don't want to because it kind of reminds me how shameful that was. I can't can't even remember why. You don't remember thinking, yeah, I should have been angry at that, but we regret it when we are. You see, anger is a good emotion, but when displayed wrongly, it is devastatingly destructive. It's not the anger of the Psalms where we see God being rightly angry and we bring it to him so he can help us get through it. The Christian community should live in one. Saved by Jesus, though, as we are, we still come from Adam and we have a great capacity to sin. It's even nice to think, yeah, that's true, so we'll make little mistakes in two and three and if we're in four, they won't be a big deal. Let's not be ridiculous. Let's not to be under any illusions that anger is a battle, even for God's people. For some of us, we may be living a very big lie about our anger. We can keep it together. We can keep it together on Sundays. We can keep it together when someone comes over our house. Maybe we're just completely deluded and we don't think it's an issue. But at home, in the workplace, with certain people... You're a rage machine. 
destroying people around you, all the while on the surface, living for Jesus. And maybe in many other parts of your life you are. That's not good enough. It's not good enough for us to pretend it's not happening. It's not good enough for us to not want to say, God, we want to change. It was a great little conversation I had last week. It was very helpful. Someone said to me, I was saying I was talking on anger and I'm a little bit nervous about it and I feel very ill-equipped and, uh, and I feel like I should be there with you sitting listening to somebody else. And someone said to me, no, I, I've never really thought much about my capacity to anger. It's not kind of my personality. It wasn't saying I wasn't angry. Some of us do have more of an inclination to that. Uh, a way in our personalities of expressing it in a kind of loud way. But this person said, I never thought I had a great capacity for anger until I had children. Now, it's kind of funny, but I don't think it actually is. Because we don't think we had the capacity to anger until something else happens that we hadn't experienced and we don't know how to deal with it and Satan wants to change our way of thinking about it and all of a sudden we're out of control. Kids have a great way of pushing your buttons. They're trying to figure out life and we have the responsibility of disciplining them and they get it wrong so often and it's exhausting. And so when I said before you're getting tired, well when you have kids you get really, really tired and But it's not just kids, it's in all matters of life. You never thought you had the capacity to anger and then you have a job that is just far more stressful than you thought and your boss is just over the top of you all the time and you let... Actually, that reminds me of a time when I I swore at work because I was so angry. I Apparently, I did not realise this, I had a reputation for speaking kindly to people at work. And then one time on the phone, I was talking to someone else. I was in the community team. I was talking to someone in the hospital. And they were being so ridiculous and completely unfair that I gave them a tongue lashing and told them off. Another moment of shame. And everyone looked at me. You see, I didn't know I had the capacity to do that at work. How do we finish? We all need to answer that question I asked you to write down earlier. I've got three kind of perspectives to help you answer that question. Reflect on it this week. You really want to think about godless anger? Continue with that. Listen to um, the men's convention talk as well. Here's three things out of many that I come up with. The first one is, Our capacity for anger is good, but we need to be committed to being more like Jesus. See, Jesus got it right. If you read the Gospels and read it with your eyes on, what's his character like? How does he behave? When people are taking him down, when could he be really angry and do it wrong? And see his peace and grace. You see, sin corrupts, but good anger can lead us to want to do the will of God and spur us to good. It helps us be self-controlled. It actually helps us care for the people around you. If someone right now was to turn to you or later and say, this has happened to me this week, 
and I'm broken and I don't know what to do. If you're not angry about the pain that they've just shared with you, that someone has hurt them in such a profound way, if you're not angry about that, do you care? But if in your anger, you say, right, give me the air address, I'm going over and I'm taking my baseball bat. You see, that's a little bit more of superhero avenging. And it's not God's way. We need to work at managing our anger. Venting to God, as the Psalms show us, is very helpful. And friends, it may mean that you need more help. That you need a good counsellor. One thing I'll say that Ray said, he said, I've been to a, he said, I've been to a counsellor. It's been one of the best things I've ever done. Half my church in Mount Druid have been to a counsellor and I tell the other half they need to go. It may require more help. If you don't know where to go, Stephen and I would desperately want to help you. We won't do it, but we'll get help for you. Stop making excuses. It's never okay to yell just irrationally at your kids. To my shame again as I say that. It's never okay not to always be treasuring your wife, husbands. It's never okay not to be doing the positive. Never mind abusing in any sort of way. The reality is, in a church like this, there's a possibility, a very good possibility, that there is some household where there's a real problem. We need to get rid of it. Not hide in the corners. You need to look at yourself and consider this is where your anger is maybe where your pettiness is. It's maybe where you lack self-control. We need to take courage and responsibility. You need to say goodbye to angry whoever you are. Angry Michael should not exist. Sometimes he does. As a Christian community, secondly, we want to be angry, our anger to be directed to sin without excess. A destructive expression of anger should not be hidden. We should be a people together who are slow to anger. We should say to each other, I have made this mistake, can you please forgive me, can we deal with this without going off the handle at each other? We should keep coming back to the word and asking the Holy Spirit to transform us and acknowledge we are going to get it wrong. We are still going to get angry with each other and sometimes we're going to do it wrong. We can't let the horrors of the church be ignored. We can't hide. We need to deal with difficulties. We can't let the horrors of the history of what's happened in the past with how people have been treated pretend it never happens. 
Instead, it should turn our eyes back to God and remind us of the far greater expectations we should have of ourselves. Our hearts should not be filled with vengeance. And there's great freedom in this. You see, at the beginning I said, God is the one who avenges, not the avengers. Actually, God is the one who avenges, not us, in the real world. (laughs) We should not be vengeful people at the core. And when we do this, we have great freedom because we know God's in control. I can deal with anger in such a better way. There's so much more that I could say. I don't have time to. But I do want to finish with the death of Jesus. See, in the death of Jesus, God's anger is taken away from you when you turn to him. We talk about the atonement, the word propitiation, that's in some translations, but not all, is the word that says God has taken his anger, turned it away and placed it on his son so that now you are right with him. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, he is the propitiating sacrifice for our sins. Jesus' sacrifice turns away God's anger from you. So that when we read in, in, uh, in uh, John's writing in the Gospel, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life because, uh, for God's wrath remains on him. God's anger is always rightly displayed. And if you don't turn to the Son, it will be rightly displayed on you. And today is the day, maybe you need to fall at your knees with amazing thankfulness and realise what God has done in Jesus. He's turned his anger away from you and placed it on his son in your place. So that we can display anger rightly. So that we can live in a godly way, longing for heaven when it will all be right. We all need to answer the question, where do I need to come before God and deal with my anger? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we We've only scraped the surface. We've only scraped the surface of understanding you a little bit clearer and how you are right in your anger and how in our anger we should not sin, that our anger should be directed towards sin. You know our hearts right now. Please transform them. Help us to be a loving community that doesn't shrink back from heart, heartache. Help us to understand how you want us to deal with life.
Father, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you that your right anger, you put on him instead of us. Help us to grab onto that. Help us to have that be the thing that transforms how we deal with our emotions. Amen.